Hello everybody and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Saturday evening and welcome to episode 216 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast as yes indeed this show is updated and up posted uploaded as a podcast at the end of the night so thank you all for joining me again tonight we'll be talking about the lord of the rings series talking a little bit about gary nerdrotic and his commentary on his vast concerns for this upcoming series concerns of which i share i've talked about it on a video dedicated to the channel i'll also tonight be talking about wandavision episode three uh, which as actually so far my favorite episode of the series and I want to shout out as especially heel versus babyface for really hyping up the episode for me because it absolutely lived up to said hype and we'll talk of course about general movie discussions we can talk about the fact that there are plenty of movies that have now been pushed back once again I honestly don't think No Time to Die will ever be coming out because it's just at this point doesn't really seem to be a possibility but thank you again for joining. We got Mr. Peabody over on DLive. What is going on, Mr. Peabody? Glad to have you here. Hopefully, uh, the audio is coming through okay. As again, the, for some reason, the PC, again, I think it's a Windows problem, has been having issues. Just changing its mind every five seconds about how loud it actually wants the audio to be. So I hope everything is coming through okay. Uh, we also got Captain Dean Heiss over on the DLive fam. How is it going, good sir? Glad once again to have everyone here. Let's go, to the, go over to the YouTube chat. Hail to my YouTube fam. We got Bryant Barth who says, Hail Odin. Thank you for being here, Bryant Barth. And to answer your question, I prefer Clint Eastwood, but I've also not watched a lot of John Wayne movies. JROR123, hail to you. Glad to see you here. JKDBuck76, who is a member on the channel, hail to you, who says, I'm surprised Amazon is calling it Lord of the Rings since Lord is masculine. I wonder what woke non-binary crap they will call it. Zer of the Rings? That's actually a fairly good point. Mark Oquist got a notification. Thank you for being here, Mark Oquist. Glad to have you in the chat. Uh, JKDBuck76 continues on and says, In all the anti-orc propaganda in Tolkien's body of work, I sure hope Bezos hired the ultra-woke people at Wizards of the Coast to help make the show diverse and inclusive, because if there's anything that people want in their Lord of the Rings, it's more diversity in a world where you have various elves... Dwarves, men, wizards, hobbits, among multitudes of other things as well. Yet somehow that's not diverse enough because it's not about diversity. It's about looks and propaganda. He goes on to say, and they should fight the patriarchy. We all know it's about traditional marriage. See, some evil man puts a ring on your finger and you disappear and belong to him. You know what? To be honest, it would not surprise me if someone tried to make that point, as crazy as it sounds, but that is, again, the world that we live in today. We have 13th Warrior in the chat. Hail to you. He was here early at 640. Uh, he says, if you lived here, you'd be home by now. Yeah, that's interesting. Buy a home surgical kit and suture yourself. What? That doesn't make any sense. Golden Ration tagging says, good evening, good evening to you, Golden Ration. Glad to see you in the chat. Uh, let's see who else is here. We got Tina B, the Empress of the Universe, one of my Valks, one of my mods. Hail to you, Tina B. You'll be able to hear from her tomorrow because at 2 p.m. Eastern time on this channel tomorrow, we will have our January Chosen of Valhalla live stream where she and many others will join to discuss movies, TV, pop culture, and pretty much anything that the Chosen want to discuss and talk about. 
it is up to them. So if you want to join in that discussion, 2 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow right here on the main channel. Thank you for being here as always, Tina. Father Christopher Miller hails you, Father, and no, you cannot hover in the background. You are not allowed. We got Mr. Peabody, who is a member on the channel as well, pulling double duty over on DLive and also on YouTube. Thank you for being here, Mr. Peabody. Glad as always. We got Stephanie B. What is going on? Stephanie B. says, hey from the great American state of Texas, we are still free. Yeah, absolutely. Seems like Texas and Florida most especially. Orange Hat Reviews, who is a member, says, Odin, I am already watching Game of Thrones. I don't want to watch one with Tolkien's good name dragged through the mud of such content. Not to mention, of course, Lord of the Rings is not Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is its own property with its own universe and also with its own adult content. Lord of the Rings and all of the bodies of work done by J.R. Tolkien has never been that and will never be that. And so if they try to make it, it's kind of like going back to Mean Girls. If they try and make Fetch happen, if they try and make adult Lord of the Rings happen, it's going to be rejected outright. Thirteenth Warrior says, Texas is at it again. They sue the, the Biden administration for halting the removal of illegal aliens. I'm rooting for my neighbors to the south, except when it comes to college football. I think a lot of people uh, probably feel that same way. All right, let's see. We got Keck44 in the chat. Glad to see you here. We got Andrew Hoyle. Good evening to you, Andrew Hoyle. I know that you are many hours ahead, so thank you for being up late. We got Waiting for Nerdronic. Laura here. What's going on, Laura? How is it going, girl? Glad to see you in the chat. GMonkey76 in the chat as well. Tina Bojan in the chat. Hail to you. By the way, Heimdall is on. You're welcome, everybody. I try to make sure that happened before my beautiful face was live on the channel. And yes, indeed, I am that vain. Pat S., who's a member on the channel, said, I'm not. Uh, why would you even make anything by Tolkien in 2021? 95% of his characters are cis white men, not even one pansexual hobbit. It's a fair point to make there, right? But I will say, if they were going to do it right, if they were going to pay respect to the source material and tell stories that have not been told yet from Tolkien's universe, I would be totally down for that because I think there's still a lot of really cool stories that could be adapted. But, as I said, you need to have the right people behind it who are actually going to respect the source material and not just people that are going to try and push woke political points just so that they can try and make a point. That's not what people want in their entertainment, let alone in their Lord of the Rings content. Who else is in here? We've got Slicer Neons in the chat. Hail to you, Slicer Neons. Glad to see you here. Waiting for Nerdronic Lore says, I'm going to get the Lord of the Rings audiobook and read the series again. Yes, I recently, uh, because I, I re-upped my Audible so that I could get some audiobooks, and I've been trying to get like all of the uh, full-length, unabridged Star Wars novels that have been existing. I think I've kind of gotten all the ones that I've had any interest in or that have been recommended to me so far. And so now I've been using it for the Lord of the Rings content. And so I have The Hobbit, which I think I have actually two versions of The Hobbit. I have The Hobbit as read by, I forget the author or the um, voice actor's name, but he's the one who did the, the official version of The Hobbit. But now there's also a newer version done by Andy Serkis. And so I got that one too because... I'm a big fan of Andy Serkis, and so I kind of want to hear him just read that story to me. And yeah, I plan to also reread or re-listen to those books. But also, too, I, I kind of want to be able to utilize those in the future as Baby Thor gets a little bit older, because it'd be really cool to listen to that book together. We got JRO123 in the chat. Hail to you. Glad to see you here. Nathan Slay, how is it going? Good, sir. Glad to see you here in the chat. 
We got Rosie G12, who also is a member. Thank you for being here. Hordell, thank you for being here as well. Says, sounds great. Just under the red shirt. Hail to you, good sir. Rhaegar Targaryen, hail to you. Says, that's great. The new Bond film is not coming out because I have no time to watch, no time to die. Feels like ain't nobody got time for that at this point. It honestly does feel that way. It really does. In fact, I don't even think the producers of the movie have time to watch No Time for Die based on just how further back this film continues to be pushed. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And keep in mind that they could have, what, sold the film for $400 million? I think Netflix was, what, willing to pay $400 million? Which, let's be honest, at this point, would have been a good deal. Because since that wouldn't be a box office release, it means that they could have kept, essentially, all of that money. But, alas, they did not. Laura says, so happy to have some smart TV to watch with WandaVision, and I've loved the deep dive into possible symbols and Easter eggs in the series. Yeah, as I said, one of my favorite parts about last night's Friday Night Tights was as going into those deep depths because it allowed me to appreciate the episode even more because I was more aware of what was going on, and I was like, oh, this is what Az was talking about, and oh, he is completely right. And I would say that last night's, or rather, the <laughs> not last, well, it came out last night, but I watched it today. But episode three of WandaVision, I honestly feel, really started to, I think, make the show have an actual identity. And I really do think it kind of stepped aside and stepped out from previous episodes. Because it still is definitely playing into that sitcom aspect. This time focusing on that 70s atmosphere. But I honestly think that this time, more so than the other episodes, we got to go further into what's actually going on. And I think there's a lot of things that we can absolutely take from that episode. And I will go further into my own thoughts um, in in a little bit. And obviously, we'll be going into some spoilers as well. And I'll, I'll let y'all know when we're about to have that discussion. But yeah, I, do, I totally feel the same way. All right, let us see. Balan the Hobbit in the chat. Hail to you. Nathan Slade tagged and says, After watching Pulp Fiction for the first time today, I think it's creeped my way into my top ten. It's so good. It really is. It is definitely a classic film. Uh, Eastland Burkholder, glad to see you in the chat. Glad as always to have you here. Uh, let's see. POC Preserver of Culture is in the chat. Hail to you, POC Preserver of Culture. Glad to see you here as always. Let's see if I can get back to your chat. It says, you seem to like singing, especially for ice cream. What is your favorite musical? I doubt it's Rocky Horror, but you'd probably make a good Eddie. Just wondering. So, first starting off with Rocky Horror... I actually like it more than one would think. However, there is a point in the movie where I check out. It's about the halfway point. Basically, once Meatloaf's character is killed after Hot Patootie Bless My Soul, after that, I'm pretty much done. Like At that point, it's it gets way too weird and bizarre and slows down. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm kind of over it, right? Because you start off with some really like fun, crazy songs done very well. And then it just goes into this weird tangent, and that's when I just I, I check out of the film altogether, and I just stop watching it, and I don't want to watch it any further. Um, but yeah, I've seen several Rocky Horrors, uh, you know, the, the 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 shows and the stage versions that they've done, you know, the midnight screenings that they do all across the country. I've been to several of those. In fact, when I was in high school, I had a group of friends where we actually did our own version of that night, 
and it was actually a lot of fun. So it is definitely a show where I like some of it, but I also don't like a lot of it. And uh, that's kind of like my, my thought on that. If I had to go with my favorite musical, though, that's kind of a tough one because I feel like there's different musicals that have hit me at different times in my life. You know, for a long time, I think Wicked was kind of my go-to answer. And I know that's kind of the standard, oh, anyone would say that. But the music that Stephen Schwartz does for the musical, honestly, is so powerful and is so freaking beautiful that it's something I can always go back to. And it's a show I I saw four times total. I saw, I think, twice on Broadway and then two touring cast versions of it. So obviously I was a big fan of it enough to to watch it those many times. But if I had to go, there's a weird one, uh, kind of an oddball one that maybe you wouldn't expect a lot of people to say, but it might actually be Pajama Game. And it's not because it has the best music per se. It's that I was in a production of Pajama Game and it was the most fun I think I'd ever had in a show. And because it was a brand new show to me, I had never seen it before, I'd never seen the movie or anything like that, I think that because of that and also having a lot of fun with the people I was in the show with just made that one of my favorite shows that I've ever done. Uh, so I guess that would be my go-to answer. But again, doesn't mean that's a show that I'm just going to watch over and over again. It's more of an experience of having been in a show. Not to mention, of course, there's a bunch of parody musicals. I've mentioned several of them on the channel before from a group called Star Kid. They've done a musical version of Anakin Skywalker's story called Annie the Musical, which is freaking hilarious. They also do a holy musical Batman, so a musical version of Batman, which is also hilarious. They're also the group that did the Harry Potter musicals, which I think are some of the best Harry, <laughs> Harry Potter storytelling that we've seen in a long time. Um, so, yeah, I hope, I hope that uh, answers your question. Uh, Reginald Ackland, thank you for subscribing to the channel. I do appreciate it. All right, let's see. Uh, Harvey Weinstein back in the chat. What's going on, good sir? Glad to have you back as always. Always fun to read that name out loud. Hamilton Berger, what's going on, Hamilton? Yo to you as well. Glad to have you here as always. Let's see. The new number two over on YouTube and on DLive, he says, Hail all in the YouTube chat. Laura says, you can bet your bottom dollar. I think you meant bottom dollar, but you said, you can bet your bottom. I'll take, I'll be talking Tenet with tequila-soaked Tina. Oh, boy. That should be a fun conversation. So the movie Tenet being talked about by Laura and Tina with tequila involved. Oh, Lord. It'll be a fun time. <laughs> It'll be a fun time. By the way, I think, Laura, I think you sent this one to me, if I'm not mistaken. If not, and someone is in the chat who did, thank you very much. I know that you had said that you would, but I got Ladyhawk today on Blu-ray. I've not seen it yet, but I did upload it to the Plex server. And so, again, shout out. Thank you very much. I've never seen this film before, so very glad to be able to finally watch it. So, shout out to you. Also, I got the steelbook for Whiplash in as well, and that will be put into the giveaway pile and given away on the channel. Again, shout out to Laura. Uh, I don't know if anyone is aware, but essentially, she won a Steelbook edition of Whiplash, watched the movie, loved it, and uh, but wanted to give it away so that someone else could actually watch it, and so she sent it back to me so that I could send it out to someone in a future giveaway, and obviously, I do giveaways kind of randomly every now and then, but that is going to be one of those options, so thank you, Laura, for sending that. I really do appreciate it. All right, let's see. Uh, Laura then says, quit trying to make fetch happen. Yes, seriously. <laughs> Speaking of underrated comedies, like, Mean Girls really is a great comedy. And it's a movie that I think, in 
10 to 20 years is still going to be, to me, it has those qualities of those classic 80s comedies that still hold up. It's like it's it's part of it, again, because that film came out 2003, right? Didn't that film come out, I think, around 2003? So I was just starting high school when that film came out. In fact, my oldest movie ticket, I think before I had ever I had said it was 13 going on 30, that's not true. Mean Girls was the earliest movie ticket. From when I started collecting my movie stubs, Mean Girls was the earliest. So back from 2003. So I've got movie tickets dating back 17 plus years, which are going may not sound like a whole lot to some people who maybe have been collecting for even longer than that. But um, man, that's a good movie. That really is a great comedy. And I have not seen it in many years. Not 17 plus, but still, it's, it's been a long time. Alrighty, let us see. Rosie G12, who's a member, says adult Lord of the Rings will be embraced by the usual bad actors. Oh yeah, people in the media, the Rotten Tomatoes critics, right? All critic classes, they'll say, oh, this is so revolutionary and it's bringing a new breath into the life of Tolkien's work. And they'll probably make some comment about Tolkien's work, which is normally rooted in white male misogyny, has finally been given new life. You know that they're just waiting. They are just... Honestly, they they are so hungry to say that kind of nonsense, and I'm hoping and praying that is not the actual case. But as I mentioned in my video, and Gary had mentioned it earlier, there was someone apparently who was in charge of essentially making sure the lore was being respected, someone who is a scholar on Tolkien who has been fired from the set. So that obviously has given me many causes for concern because if the person whose main job was to make sure that everything was going in line and everything was making sense if they're no longer a part of it. And at the same time, there are rumored rewrites as well. It seems to indicate they're going away from the source material, and we all know what happens when people decide to, you know, go off on their own. Just talk to the people that made Game of Thrones. By the way, we got 54 people watching on YouTube. Please be sure to smash that like button. One soy-filled loser decided to smash the dislike button before the stream even started, and all I can say is... Thank you, sir or madam, because you still engage with the content, and engagement is a good thing. So I appreciate it, nonetheless. I knew that I lived rent-free in your head. Nathan Slay says, James Bond's No Time to Get Woke is never going to come out. You're right. It's going to lose money like a lot of it. Here's the thing, though. What if they decide at some point this year, because things don't look like they're going to get any better, that they're just going to sell it? What if they sell it to Netflix anyway, but then Netflix gets gets uh or rather pays even less for it? That would be to me the funniest thing if by the end of all of this, Netflix pays like three hundred to three hundred fifty million dollars, and then you find out, man, they could have gotten an extra hundred to fifty like fifty to hundred million dollars had they taken the deal initially. Then again, will Netflix even want the film at that point? Honestly, it's one of those things where the film now has been set to come out for so long. I think you've lost anyone who's had any like any sense of being excited for the film i think if you were in that category of being excited you've probably lost any interest at this point and it's not going to be good for those ticket sales lord knows that on top of everything else going on with the theaters of course all right let us see soul assassins in the chat hail to you soul assassin glad to see you here laura says wait is lord of the rings three books or did they split up one book into three movies ah good question so there is a movie called rather there's a book called the hobbit the hobbit is one book which they did split up into three movies which was a terrible idea because it's one book 
and it's not even a long book in comparison, especially to the Lord of the Rings series, and yet they did it anyway. They even left some things out still, and then added a bunch of stuff that was not actually in the book. It was related still to the Tolkien universe, but it was also very out of place. Not to mention, of course, he decided to use a crap ton of CGI and blue screen effects or green screen effects, and it looked completely terrible. That's what they did for The Hobbit. The Lord of the Rings, though, are three separate books. So they did one movie per book the way it should have been, which is one of the many reasons why Lord of the Rings movies still hold up to this day. Because they did as little CGI as they possibly could, because guess what? The CGI does not really hold up nearly as well, because again, that was early 2000s CGI. So luckily, it was very limited in its use, and they used a lot more practical effects, a lot more sets, and it ended up working out much better, because now the film is able to stand the test of time. The Hobbit movies already are outdated. When they first came out in theaters, they were outdated because of their excessive use of CGI. But anyway, yeah, there's a separate book for each movie. Or a separate movie for each book. Alright, Tina B says, There's lots of great stories to be told in Tolkien. But with J.J.'s bad robot morons infiltrating it, it's going to be garbage because he's done the same with Star Wars and Star Trek. I would say that the big difference, at least when it comes to this, is that in Star Wars and Star Trek, he was at the helm. He was the director. He was a big producer behind it. We're not really seeing the same thing here with Lord of the Rings. My one criticism, I would think, and I would argue, when it comes to the connection being made between Bad Robot and this series, is that it's a bit of a stretch. And I'm not saying that it's not there, but I'm saying, okay, so you have two people that have worked for J.J. Abrams, and that is the connection. That doesn't mean that they are now under the control. It's like it's almost like you're trying to argue that J.J. Abrams has some kind of mind control powers and then controls literally every single person that's ever worked for him. And that's not, that's just not how it works. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some people that have worked for him that kind of go to him and kind of give, you know, bounce ideas off of him to get, you know, a mindset of what to do. Like, obviously, I'm sure that does happen. I'm sure in Hollywood, you have a lot of that stuff happening, especially if people owe their careers to certain individuals. But that's a big difference, right? J.J. Abrams had a direct hand in destroying Star Trek, in destroying Star Wars. Not so much with Lord of the Rings. So I would argue that... To say that this is the same or in the same category is actually not really, um, I don't think that argument has a whole lot of leg to stand on at this point. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Slicer Neon's tagged and says, Hail back unless Men of the West channel shout out has complete control. I expect this show to fall massively. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen Men of the West, but there are some pretty cool lore channels on YouTube that dive into um, that, 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 uh, that crazy, awesome storytelling. All right, let's see. Darth News, thank you for the $5 super chat. He says, five bucks for being a savage and keeping that beard game strong. Keep up the great work. And then he's got a beard emoji. And then what is that? And that is, is that a, is that a hang, hang loose, uh, emoji as well? Well, thank you, Darth News for that. I appreciate the super chat and the kind words. And thank you for saying that I'm savage. <laughs> I really do appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, let's see. JKBuck76, who's a member, says, In 1999, I bought the audio cassette version of Lord of the Rings in Knoxville, Tennessee. A lot of the voice actors also played the Smurfs. 
That's an interesting combination of things. Andrew Hoyle says, not watched any WandaVision yet. I would say that based on the third episode, it, it seems like it'd be worth watching. But I think that I kind of agree with the sentiments of a lot of people who've talked about the show. I'm really going to have to wait and see where this show actually ends up and what the major payoff is, because it's obviously leading up to something big to be able to really recommend this show or not. Again, I think that it's not bad. I don't think it's a total waste of your time to watch the show by any means, especially since the episodes aren't particularly long. But I do think that it's something where before I can give my full, you know, full endorsement of it, I have to see the entire thing play out first. Anyway, all right, the chat has jumped on me like it always does. So, again, if you're watching on YouTube, please be sure to smash that like button. Luckily, no comments have been skipped. So, let's dive first over to my DLAF fam. What is going on, DLAF fam? It says here, Mr. Peabody tagging says, You probably prefer Little Shop of Horrors so you can sing about being a dentist. That is a great film. Great film, great musical. I do find it hilarious, though. That the movie version that they released has a happy ending. The musical does not. And it comes down to the fact they did test screenings with the original ending and people hated it. And for those that don't know, I mean, obviously the story's been around for a long time. The end of the story is that the plants take over the world. And people didn't like that. You also have Audrey dying. You also have, um, you know, Seymour dying, right? There's, there's a lot of just, it's a very dark ending. And so instead, they decide to have the ending be, you know, uh, Seymour and Audrey end up together. And then you have a plant that's still existing. So it, it leaves that kind of open-ended like, oh, the alien's still around. But it's not nearly as dark. You know, it's more open-ended than the very dark ending uh, in the original show. So, <laughs> But no, I do like that uh, musical a lot. Uh, Peabody says, uh, talk Tenet with Tequila. Does that mean she is going to be spitting her drink into the glass? <laughs> uh, let's see. Camden Heist, thank you for the four ice cream donations. I appreciate it. Mr. Peabody, thank you for the one ice cream donation. I appreciate it. I should have gone high there. I should have. My, my, my voice can't take it. Camden Heist says, wasn't the actual Hobbit story done after the second movie and the third movie was all filler? Yeah, I mean, there's mixtures in all three movies that deal with elements from the actual book, but every movie has so much filler in it of stuff that has nothing to do with the book, and it's just, just it's not it's just not a well done it's just not a well done story. Uh, the movies, that is. The book is fantastic. If you've never read the book, it is beautiful. And again, I would recommend listening to the version done by Andy Serkis, because he's got such a beautiful voice to listen to. All right, so uh, before jumping back into the YouTube chat, I'll go ahead and talk a little bit about WandaVision. So let me go ahead and get out my, my handy-dandy Wikipedia article and my news report options. So this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion of the recent WandaVision episode. And as it says here, now in color is the third episode of the American television miniseries WandaVision based on the Marvel Comics characters of Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch, and Vision. It follows the couple as they try to conceal their powers while living an idyllic, night, idyllic, idyllic 1970s suburban life in the town of Westview. The episode is set in the MCU, sharing continuity with the films of the franchise. It was written by Megan McDonnell and directed by Matt Shakeman. 
Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany reprise their respective roles as Wanda, Maximoff, and Vision from the film series alongside Tiana, Paris, and Catherine Hahn. And I will say once again that one of my favorite parts of this series has been Catherine Hahn, and I'm very sad that she did not have a very prominent role in this episode. In fact, other than the first episode, she has not been featured nearly as much. And I was actually really excited in that first episode because it was set in the 1950s. It felt very I Love Lucy. And Catherine Hahn really did play that next-door neighbor character very well. Like that Ethel character from the I Love Lucy universe. She seemed to, like she just played it very well, right? It was very funny. It was very charismatic. And I was really enjoying it. And then they jumped to the 60s in the second episode, and she wasn't nearly as prominent, and there were a lot of other characters, a lot of other side characters added into that episode, and it was fine, but again, not as much Catherine Hahn. And then in this episode, she doesn't really come in at all until the very end, and it's not at all campy or fun, uh, because obviously the show is going in a much more serious direction in this instance. But this is based in the 1970s, this episode. It very much is inspired by the Brady Bunch. In fact, the opening sequence feels so very much like that. Uh, Not to mention you have a couple of angles that almost look like Mary Tyler Moore, which I suppose, again, I don't know the exact timeline of Mary Tyler Moore show, but I think it was a show that bridged the 60s into the 70s, so I think that would still actually fit what they were trying to do. But in the show, right, in the sitcom, because this is kind of a show within a show, where this seems to be taking place within the mind, at the very least, of Scarlet Witch, of Wanda Maximoff. And I think that this episode really dove further into how that's actually happening. Before going further into what I think is going on here and what's been revealed in the story, I also want to give a shout-out to Tiana Paris. So she is the one who I think is is someone that I was kind of confused by a little bit because when I was listening to Az on Friday Night Tights talk about it last night, he kept talking about Monica Rambeau. And obviously Monica Rambeau is a part of the Captain Marvel universe and I believe was the original, or rather kind of the, uh, the biggest iteration of Captain Marvel. Uh, so if you go to the comics, for instance, it was this uh, version played by Monica Rambeau that re- got really popular in, what, the 70s or 80s? And it's kind of one of the more iconic versions of the character. And it's interesting that they decided not to go that route, but instead to give it to Brie Larson, who is not charismatic at all. But dear dear Lord, Tiana Paris, she is charismatic as hell. She is a great actress. I was loving every moment of it. And the whole time I'm like, wait a minute, this is Monica Rambeau. This is someone that's got to have to share the universe with Brie Larson and have to give Brie Larson the head role, essentially. Like, I'm going to have to say, I'm supporting Brie Larson. And I'm thinking to myself, no, 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 no. Brie Larson, if she's going to still exist in the universe, should totally be supporting Tiana Paris instead because she was a rock star in this episode. And uh, obviously, in the actual show, she's not known as Monica Rambeau, and that's kind of where you start to see things unravel. So the entire episode deals with the fact of what they left off with last episode, where she, Wanda, is now pregnant, but the pregnancy is going very, very quickly. In fact, in three days, she goes through nine months of pregnancy. And then Monica Rambeau's character, right, Tiana Paris, comes over and essentially helps her um, or rather is, is trying to find out more information um, about, again, I'm forgetting, right, because I just saw it recently. But anyway, she's coming over and Juan is trying to hide her pregnancy from um, from her in this instance. And basically, she goes into labor in front of her and Tiana Car- Tiana's character helps her uh, through the labor of twins. And so she has twins. And that is when I think I was really interested in it because as mentioned this last night, because she's had twins, she at one point mentions looking at her twin boys to say, I was a twin. And then mentions her brother Pietro. And then 
you have this instance where Monica Rambeau's character seems to have a awakening a moment saying, oh, he was killed by Ultron, wasn't he? And then Wanda freaks out and says, what did you say? And then it's like this moment where Monica Rambeau becomes self-aware and says, um, I, and then she just doesn't know what to say because she realizes that Wanda's freaking out, right? It seems that this makes it very clear then that this is occurring completely within Wanda's mind and that Wanda has full control of this universe because that becomes exceptionally clear and very much almost stamped down by the fact that what happens to Monica Rambeau after that moment happens, she's expelled from the vision. She's expelled from the world. And you go to the real world where all of a sudden you have this, this world, again, with a sign uh, that says, what again, what's the fictional uh, land called in this instance? I'm trying to find it uh, here in this instance. Come on now. Help me out. Help me out here. Westview. So they have a uh, basically a, a sign for Westview, and you also see that there seems to be this barrier that's up, but she gets expelled out of the barrier, but she's still in the clothing that she was in in this fake world, right, in this vision universe. And so at that moment, you realize, okay, now we're starting to get some details as to what's going on here. So it's clear that Wanda has control. She is the author of this story. She's now able to expel characters who are no longer just characters in her mind, but are actual real people. Or maybe it's a mixture, right? We really don't know yet about whether there are some people in her mind or whether all of these characters are all real-life people basically all going along because, again, Wanda can warp, warp, uh, warp reality that's hard to say together, and is essentially warping reality for all of these different characters at the same time. And it's fascinating to see this stuff play out. It really honestly is. And and I think that this episode, more than any other episode, was really able to get this deeper message across. And honestly, it makes me so excited to see what comes next because we don't know what's going on. We don't know what caused all of this. We don't know who is real in her vision, who is not, because obviously Vision is in this show in her mind as well, or is it in her mind, or is it actual real people who are participating in her mind? Maybe maybe their minds are now in her mind. Again, we really honestly don't know exactly what's going on, but it is now abundantly clear that she has full control of this universe, and I think it is fascinating as all get out. And so I'm going to give this episode an A- minus because I thought it was very well done. I thought the writing was, I think, some of the better writing that we've seen so far because you did have these deeper moment, deeper moments that had a lot of stuff going on. There were also a lot more breaks that happened. Like there's one point where the neighbor is trimming his bushes, but then he takes it and starts to essentially cut into the wall, into the brick wall with his hedge trimmers. And you're like, first off, wait, what is this? And even Vision's like, Oh, that, that's kind of odd. And so basically there's moments where this universe seems to be crumbling and falling apart and there's like breaks that are trying to come through. And then of course you, have, you actually have characters coming in as well. And this is something that as mentioned last night where you have the character played by Catherine Hahn and one of his other neighbors and they're talking to each other and, and Vision's like, what are y'all talking about? And she says, hey, this person, Monica Rambo, where, where'd she come from? And she just showed up. And then they say at one point, she doesn't have a home. And then you start to realize they've never established where she lives. She does kind of just show up in, in these episodes, and, and it seems very clear that she's out of place. So it seems to indicate that I, what I would guess is that all this is taking place. There are real people inside this, uh, whatever this is, and it seems that Monica Rambo was sent into this universe Maybe to try and wake her up, to try and infiltrate her in some way, or maybe she just got pulled in. Maybe they were trying to figure out how to, you know what to handle, 
And when she got pulled in, she got basically pulled into the vision, right? She got pulled in and lost her sense of reality because obviously Wanda is warping everyone's reality, including Monica Rambeau's. And obviously there's that moment when she realizes, oh, the twins. Now there's something going off in my brain saying, oh, yeah, that's right. You're a real person, and your brother was a real person. Your brother died, and died from Ultron's hands, and that causes her to go through this psychological break and, again, expels Rambo from the vision. So, again, I thought it was fascinating. To me, though, the standout was definitely Tiana Paris. And, as always, I honestly still have to continue to give uh, major props to Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany has been excellent in every single one of these episodes. He has fit every single uh, culture that they've built. He fit in so well with the 50s, so well with the 60s, and now even better in the 70s. He's rocking this crazy hair in it too, and he just fits it so well. And I'm actually really enjoying the show now. And again, because there's all this stuff going on that actually makes you think, it's something I feel like a lot of us have been waiting for a long time because we haven't gotten a whole lot of deep shows or deep stories being told in the MCU for a long time now. And it looks like this could very well be going in that direction. So for anyone wondering, that's Tiana Paris. And again, uh, she is someone who is is being brought in here. And it's sad to see that she was a part of the 2014 film Dear White People. Obviously, we know that everyone in Hollywood essentially is going to have some kind of you know political motivations behind it. But that does not take away from the fact that she gave a great performance. She is incredibly um, charismatic. And to me, I think an argument can easily be made now that she should take over as the role of Captain Marvel and that they should kick Brie Larson to the curb because Tiana Paris has more charisma in her pinky than Brie Larson does in her entire body. But anyway, that is episode three, Now in Color. Anyway, let's go back into the chat. Let's start off with my D-Live fam. All right. Uh, Captain High says, doesn't WandaVision's Catherine Hahn remind you of Anna Gasteyer? A little bit. She does look a lot like her. But I think, in all honesty, Catherine Hahn is so much funnier. Every movie I've ever seen Catherine Hahn in, I, I've always thought that she was funny. It's sad because I think almost everyone knows her exclusively from the movie Bridesmaids, I think. And I hate that movie. I don't find that movie funny at all. But so many people do, and it drives me nuts. Um, let me just double check and see if if she was actually in that. I'm trying to look back into um, into her history here. Let's see when would that have been? Maybe they know her for something else. I don't know. Oh, let's see. When would that film have come out? I'm trying to see here. Let's see. She was in Bad Moms. I never saw the Bad Moms universe, so I wouldn't know anything about that. She was in Tomorrowland, which was terrible. Oh, man. Let's see. When did that movie come out? Honestly, I don't know. Where the Millers? Where the Millers was actually kind of funny, to be honest. Has it been a long time since that movie came out? I don't know. She was in Wanderlust. All right, I'm not seeing it. Maybe she wasn't in that movie. But anyway, she was in Step Brothers. Freaking hilarious in Step Brothers. She was also in uh, Anchorman as well. But the one that I actually enjoyed her the most in, and I'm trying to find the name of it because I really... Oh, here it is. If anyone's never seen the movie The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard, I think that movie's freaking hysterical. So it stars Jeremy Piven. Ving Rhames is in it. Uh, it's directed by Neil Brennan. I don't know, really know anything about him. But Katherine Hahn is in it, and she plays a saleswoman in it. And dear Lord, she is just so freaking funny in it um and i again i i cannot praise her enough 
So I think she, I think she's legitimately funny, which is not very common. I feel like for modern day um, actresses in Hollywood, right? I feel like modern day actresses in Hollywood, if they're going to be comedians, they're going to tend to be more about woke identity politics. And I think that that just is a major turnoff. So it's good to see just these natural comedians that do still exist working in Hollywood in this capacity because she is freaking fantastic. All right. Back into the YouTube chat. It's 7.10 over there. It's 7.40 in real life. So I'm about 30 minutes behind in the YouTube chat, as I expected it to be. Uh, Saito Neon says, I'm going to watch Agent Carter before WandaVision myself. Both sound a lot better than Shields won a... a Shields won a tier seasons? Shame it lost steam. Okay, I'm assuming after later... Oh, Shields later seasons. Okay, I see what you did there. Um, yeah, I stopped watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because... Just didn't have an interest in it. Didn't look very good. And a lot of people said it wasn't very good after that. So I was like, all right, I'm done. Agent Carter, though. Ooh, great show. Very pissed that that show got canceled. Because Agent Carter Season 1 and 2 are both fantastic. All right, Thursday the Warriors member says, Since I was watching it long before... No, since I was watching it before jumping onto the stream, can we talk about what a great movie Up is? Ah, oh, man, Up is fantastic. Up is completely fantastic. Uh, Pat S., who's also a member... Odin's daddy would read him The Hobbit at bedtime to help him sleep. Then he would show him The Hobbit 1977 by Rankin and Bass to make sure he had nightmares. <laughs> so he wouldn't he wouldn't do it to help me fall asleep. He would just read it to us. Like, he would just read it to us in general. He would be in his chair, and we would just be sitting around him listening to him read The Hobbit. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and I have seen the animated The Hobbit from the 70s. And no, 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 no. Not nightmares. That, that thing is fantastic. I love that movie. I love that animated film all the way back when I first saw it when I was younger, and I still love it now. All the campy music in there is so great. I love that one. All right, James, thank you for the dollar donation, and thank you also for donating via Streamlabs. I appreciate it. He says, hey, Odin, what are your thoughts on the Star Wars prequels? For me, they are nostalgic and have great lore, even if they are flawed movies. Thanks. No, I agree. I think the dialogue is complete trash. Like, let's just get that out of the way. You cannot defend the dialogue in the prequels. If you do, you don't know anything about writing. Period. The dialogue is terrible. I would say also, the performances of the dialogue are also terrible. What we've learned from this is that George Lucas cannot really write dialogue, and also, he can't really direct actors. And again, just go back and watch the prequels, look and pay attention to the acting. Even great actors were giving subpar performances because he's just not a good director of actors. That being said, the lore built in the prequels is fantastic. There are great memes also that have come out of the prequels, which are also fantastic. So there are a lot of things to still hold on to in those movies, even though the dialogue and the direction aren't very good. And that stems from the fact that George Lucas, though he can't write dialogue, can build beautiful worlds and universes rich with lore. Something that cannot be said about modern-day Lucasfilm. Andrew Hoy, who is a member, says, 007, no time for intersectionality. Mark Lizeth, welcome to the chat. Glad to see you here. Rosie G12 says, musicals, Sound of Music and Damn Yankees, also Guys and Dolls. Yes. Uh, Sound of Music, uh, great film. I've actually never seen a musical version of it, uh, like as far as like a staged version of it. But the movie's great. I was in a production of Damn Yankees, in fact. I actually I played the younger uh, character. So in the show, in that movie... All right, sorry, in that series, saying it wrong ever again, in that musical, you have a character who becomes younger, 
because of a deal with the devil. And so I was the younger version of the character at the time. That was a fun show to play. And though your Joe has to go, he may come back to you again. I, I, my voice is very tired right now, so I'm, I apologize. But I just had to sing it. And yeah, Guys and Dolls, fantastic. I've been in production of Guys and Dolls. That's also a fun show. All right, Laura says, My wife played Magenta in the Berkeley and L.A. Rocky Horror cast. She has lots of great picks. Nice. That must have been fun. Um, Let us see. Pat S. says, Cats. He knows it's cats. Oh, yes. Everyone knows how much I love the musical Cats. You know, everyone... <laughs> I have to do it now. Here's my, here's my impression of the musical Cats. This is all I took away from the musical Cats. Jellical cats in a jellical way. We are jellical cats and we jellical say. That's all I know. <laughs> and those aren't the words, but they might as well be. They might as well be at this point. Uh, Nathan Slade tagged it says, One thing that I realized about Pulp Fiction as a lot of racial slurs and not a single person is offended by it despite it all. Um, at the time, yes. I imagine that the film probably will get canceled in the future because... Obviously, that can't be allowed to stand. Mark Lizette says, Since you have admitted to a lack of comprehensive movie watching from the 80s, tell me you have at least seen Citizen Kane. Yes, I have. I have. I did watch it later in life, but I have seen it. Uh, Nick, uh, Titan Aries, what's going on? Glad to see you here. Uh, Hordell says, Please say a prayer for us. Biden canceled the Keystone Pipeline. I had a lot of work on that pipeline, along with my crew and company. Now maybe jobless the rest of the year. I hope not. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. That's one thing that a lot of people aren't talking about is the fact that not only did you have thousands of Americans lose their jobs, you had thousands of Canadians lose their job as well. And I, I hope, dude, I hope that the lawsuits that are being filed right now go somewhere. I really do. Because it's it's insane to me. Not to mention, guess what's going to go up? Probably those gas prices. And that's something that's going to affect all people. Alrighty, let's see. Uh, Super says, Hey, what is up, my dude? Sorry I'm late. Got caught up watching Bad Times at the Hell Royale. Sometime, somehow, it's even better the second time around. Dude, yes. Bad Times at the El Royale. One of the best movies in a very long time. It was my favorite movie of that year. In fact, it beat out, if I'm not mistaken, Infinity War. I think it came out the same year. All righty, let's see. Andrew Hoyle says, Lady Hawk. Great stuff. Indeed, that's what I've heard. Uh, Sandy Q, welcome to the chat. That's a newer name in the chat that I see. Uh, Hamilton Burger Tag says, Mean Girls. Remember when Lindsay Lohan was not <laughs> only a going concern, but was on her way to stardom? It's been a while. Yeah, seriously. Like, seriously, the sky was the limit for her. And then, unfortunately, just like what happens to many uh, childhood stars, obviously, there's a lot of crazy crap that happens in Hollywood. And honestly, I, I don't really put a whole lot of the blame on her. Obviously, as an adult, she, she's responsible for her own choices. But I really do think that there needs to be a deeper dive done uh, into all of these different things. Um, because I, I honestly truly believe that what you're going to find as you do further research and as they do further studies into these young actors going and becoming older actors in Hollywood is a lot of creepy stuff behind the scenes. And I, I really want someone to do a deeper dive into it to expose it because I don't think that she went crazy on her own. And it is really sad when you think about it. 
Andrew Hoyle says, I still have my movie ticket from Gladiator. Well, that's awesome. I know Tina will be very happy to hear that. All right. Uh, 13th Warriors member says, Just think, Odin, sometime in the future, may find your stash of movie tickets and wonder, what the heck are these movie theaters? Yeah, it's a great point. Saying, what are these stubs of paper? Wait, there's years next to them. I wonder what it means. And then one of them will say, wait a minute. I think these are movies. They used to watch them on the big screen. Let's see. Kid Cassidy, welcome to the channel. Mr. MH, hail to you. Welcome to the channel. Hound 3000, hail to you. Glad to see you here. Uh, Laura says, hmm, nope. One soy-filled loser isn't a good screen name for me. It is time for a change, though. I thought that you had a change. Didn't you have a change in mind? I thought that you had one uh, uh, laid down already. Uh, that 70s rock fan, dude, that 70s rock fan. Thank you, man. Thank you for the $10 donation via Streamlabs. Dude, thank you. Thank you very much for donating via Streamlabs. Uh, for those that don't know, YouTube gets none of that. Uh, that goes directly to me. Other than processing fees, I get almost all of it. Um, and so it really does help out and support the channel. So thank you very much. That 70s rock fan, I really do appreciate it, man. And thank you for loving the work. I appreciate it. Though my voice is very tired today. So <laughs> I'm going to definitely have to try and let my chosen of Valhalla do most, most of the talking tomorrow because my voice is tired. I'm drinking more water than usual. That's some high quality H2O though. All right. Rosie G12 says, I met Tom Shippey at an academic conference at Marquette University where most Tolkien's papers are housed. Serious scholar and nice man. Bad sign he's gone from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so that was the name of the scholar. So Tom Shippey was the scholar originally on board for the Lord of the Rings series. And he has since been kicked off. And yeah, for those that have not followed that story, essentially the show was going in a very good direction. And then, you know, we had the death, unfortunate death of Chris of Christopher Tolkien, uh, the son of J.R.R. Tolkien. And he was a person that was really holding the flame for his father. He finished a lot of the works that were unfinished. He published a lot of the works that had not yet been published from his father. And he was also the only person left safeguarding the stories that his father wrote. He died in 2020, early in 2020. And ever since then, we've seen some really bad steps being taken, including a show that was already in the process of being written, going through rewrites, reported rewrites, while at the same time firing the scholar, the J.R.R. Tolkien scholar, who had been on set to help with the process, to help with the writing process. He was fired during the same period of time, which makes it seem very timely and very within this ballpark that they're probably going to go in directions where a scholar is not needed, which means they're going to go in directions that go away from the source material, and if we know anything about when people, especially in this case, we have got young showrunners who have not done any major shows before, if any, and they are going to be in a position where they could easily do something very similar to what happened with Game of Thrones, where they ran out of material, they caught up with the books, they had to start coming up with dialogue and things on their own, and guess what? It did not really work out all that well for them. Talking there about, of course, Dan and Dave from Game of Thrones. So there's a huge fear that we have, that if they're going to go in that direction, it could be really bad. That's awesome that you got to meet him, though. I need to find out more about him, because I honestly don't know a whole lot about Tom Shippey. Has he written books, I wonder? Has he written books on 
uh, Tolkien, because that'd be pretty cool. All right, JKBook76 says, Speaking of Pulp Fiction, I'm not kidding. Yesterday I was given my grandfather's watch. No, Christopher Walken didn't have to keister it, but it was a nice thing to receive. Well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, obviously I love the connection to Pulp, <laughs> to Pulp Fiction, and I'm glad that he didn't have to, at one point in time, carry it in his tush. That would not be good. All right, Laura says, Are you Team Godzilla or Team Stupid Monkey? If theaters aren't open here when that movie comes out in March, I'm not. I'm going. I'm going to get on a plane to see it somewhere else. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not all that excited for that movie, and it's because I did not like King of the Monsters. I was not impressed. They spent way too much time on boring human stories, and the CGI was a bit of a mess for me. And so I'm not all that excited about Godzilla vs Kong. I plan to watch it. I probably will end up watching it since it'll be in March. Probably will still have to watch on HBO Max. And the only reason why is because, obviously, with the young one at home, my ability to go out um, is is not nearly as common. Uh, it's not nearly as something that I can do as often anymore. And obviously, I'm totally fine with that because I get to spend time with baby Thor. But it is, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we'll be at a point yet where I can start to go see a movie every now and then or not. Let's see. Uh, we got another $10 donation via Streamlabs. Thank you, Thirsteenth Warrior, dude. Thank you for donating, and thank you for doing it via Streamlabs, man. And thank you. He says, the wild, uh, rather, the wilderness must be explored. Ka-ka! <laughs> what? <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> thank you for the donation, man. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rosie G12 says Tolkien wanted to make Lord of the Rings one book and his British publisher Alan and Unwin made him split it into three books and you know what it ended up working out well I, I think that that's one of those rare cases where you had such a talented writer that he was able to make it work in that capacity in today's world I don't know of many authors that would be able to do that uh, George Morales II, thank you for being here. Matthew Highland Tag says, just coming in to say, what's up before I continue my Leonardo DiCaprio-thon? Tonight is Wolf of Wall Street. Great movie. If there's a movie that he should have won an Oscar for, it's that one. He was great in The Revenant, and I really do like The Revenant, mostly because they use all-natural lighting, and it's freaking beautiful. Like, the cinematography for that movie, I think it was uh, Lubetsky who did it. Uh, he won three Oscars three years in a row because he's that damn good at his job. And um, and obviously, I, I appreciate what he did with The Revenant. But Wolf of Wall Street, as far as performances go, probably one of the best Leo performances of his career. So I, <laughs> I kind of wish he had won for that one instead, to be honest. Great film, though. And he's done a lot of great films. Let's see. Huron, the Steadfast. Thank you for the Canadian $5 super chat. And he says, did you see Kong Skull Island? If you did, what did you think of it? It was crap. That movie was crap. That's the one with Brie Larson, right? Man, that movie was terrible. It was just boring. It was boring. None of the actors had any chemistry or charisma with each other. And again, think that you had a lot of that come from Brie Larson. And here's the thing. I'm not just hating on Brie Larson because I actually do like her in some roles that she's done. For instance, in Room, I thought she was solid. I thought she was great in that. So I guess the director had a lot to do with that role. There's also another film that she's done called Short Term 12. Again, gives a solid performance there. Must, again, be the director who was able to get that performance from her. I feel like if she's ever given bad direction, she can't compensate as an actor. Or 
if she's not given any direction and is left up to do whatever she wants to do, she makes really bad choices, right? It's got to be one of those two things because I've seen her give good performances before. But Kong Skull Island is not good. The only good modern Godzilla film that I have seen, and again, obviously I've not seen anything from Japan. I've not seen any foreign language films, so don't, you know, don't freak out when I say this. But the first Godzilla from 2014, as far as modern Godzilla movies, Godzilla from 2014 was the best. It was solid. Could there have been more Godzilla? Absolutely. But at the, la- at the very least, the human story was interesting. You had Brian Cranston in that role, and he did a great job with it. And it was good. It was just well done. And, and the effects were good for what they were. But everything else since then has just gone downhill further and further. All right. Orange Eye Reviews at 720 says, Return of the King had a lot of bearded ladies, though. Uh, LOL. If you know the appendices of the movies, you know what I mean. Um, I think, well, there's a reference in the movies themselves when they're asked about, are there dwarf women? And Gimli responds by saying, yes. The only issue is that you really can't tell them apart very much from the men. Must be the beard. So they do make a reference to that in the movies themselves. Uh, Soul Assassin says, after watching Nerdronic's video about Lord of the Rings series, I'm not happy about it. Why would they want an intimacy consultant? That's another big point, Soul Assassin. I mentioned that in my video, and obviously I shot Gary for, for mentioning that. Yes, why would you have an intimacy consultant if you're telling a story where, yes, there might be a sense of a love story, right? Obviously, when you talk about and here's the other thing, too. Let me start off with this first. It's called The Lord of the Rings, and yet it's going to be thousands of years before the Lord of the Rings stories. They've, they've even mentioned the fact, Gary mentioned this too, you're not going to have, have any sense of hobbits in this universe. So why in the hell has it been called Lord of the Rings? And the point I made in my video was, it's a cash grab. Because they're going to say, oh look, it's the Lord of the Rings series. And it's going to bring in people because they're going to think, Lord of the Rings, I love those movies, let's see the series. And then they're going to be introduced to characters that they don't know to parts of Middle-earth they don't know. And I think that if they decide to use something like an intimacy consultant to have more sexualized relationships, to put in things like language, to make basically try and make it more like Game of Thrones was, they're going to lose people. A lot of people. So they better be very careful with that. But yeah, you don't need an intimacy consultant with the romance that exists in the original works of Tolkien. Because it's there, right? Obviously, you have the relationship laid out between Arwen and also Aragorn, right? You have that relationship, but not enough to where you would need an intimacy coach. I mean, if a, if a direct here's the thing: if a director cannot get a performance that just requires someone to kiss another actor, which is the extent of what it should be in any of these stories, based in Tolkien's world, you don't need an intimacy coach. To me, that says two things. Either one, they're going in a very weird direction that no one wants it to go in. Any real fans of the show, or any real fans, rather, of the stories would want them to go in. Or two, they have directors that can't handle it, which should also make us concerned. Either it'll be a poorly directed series that needed an intimacy consultant, or it'll be a Game of Thrones ripoff, which no one wants to see. Yeah. Let's see, JKDBuck76 says, Each book in Lord of the Rings consists of two books. Fellowship of the Ring equals books one and two. So no, th- again, there's there are three books, right? There is Lord of the Rings, 
there is then the two towers and then there is also the return of the king there are three books all right let's see nathan slay tag says wouldn't you say pulp fiction dude uh nathan slay i appreciate it man but we're we're we've been focusing on these 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 uh these topics and then every time i get to a comment it's like oh let's go back to my let's go back to my topic all right um again pulp fiction is great anyway uh, Tina Tang says Akiva Goldsmith, Akiva Goldsmith, and another piece of filth on Star Trek Discovery are still part of the bad robot community. They can't get away from him, and that is my argument. He's in everything. But as I said, as I said, Star Trek Discovery, he directed the Star Trek movies. Discovery is taking place, I believe, in the same timeline that he established in his movies. Therefore, that connection makes sense. This is Lord of the Rings. This is something completely different. He has not ever directed or produced a Lord of the Rings movie or show. So I, I, I get, trust me, I think that there's legitimate reason to be concerned. But I, again, I, I personally think it's a bit of a stretch. If he, if again, JJ had directed a new movie or a new series himself and then they were continuing on on Amazon in the universe set up by him and then also had people connected to Bad Robot, then you would have a clear connection. This one, again, they may have worked with him. They might be working with him now for Star Trek, but he does not have any connection with Lord of the Rings. So unless we see something that screams of J.J. in the actual show, I don't think that we can really make the argument that there's a clear connection there. That's just my thought. JK Buck seventy six says, as Doomcock says, JJ is the cinematic antichrist. Bad robot equals bad robot. Uh, bad reboot. Uh, Preserver of culture says, is it better to talk about bad stuff like Star Wars, High Republic, Lord of the Rings, or is it better to let it die in silence when no influencers are talking about it on social media and it just fades away? The problem is, is that you're gonna have people talking about it, and it's gonna be people that are gonna try and push an agenda. So there has to be a vocal response. Not to mention. If it's something that you care about personally, you're going to talk about it, right? Because if I just said nothing about it, and if I just stayed silent on it, to me, it would feel like I am not voicing something that I think is very important to voice, especially with content that I find to be very important, especially when it relates to my own life. Uh, let's see, JKDBuck76 says, folks, look up Nerd of the Rings. All right, he's shouting out Nerd of the Rings. All right. Let's see. Going back up in the chat as it has jumped on me. Thank you again for being here. Um, all right. So, chat has jumped on me. It looks like some comments may have been skipped. It's 7.39 in the chat. It's 8.02 in real life. So, obviously, some some comments may have been skipped. Uh, let me jump now over into uh, DLive and see what's going on over there. Dean High says, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was pretty good when it kind of tied in with the movies. It got bad when it started doing its own thing. I don't think it was all that great, even when it tied in with the movies. It was always just okay, and then it just never got any better. Thank you very much for taking care of the trolls over on DLive. Also, interesting interesting point, I was listening to a, a podcast earlier in the week, and in there they had mentioned DLive as an alt-tech platform, right? an alternative to things like YouTube. And I didn't know this. And this makes a lot of sense. Apparently, DLive is a Turkish-owned company. Explains why there's a ton of Turkish trolls. <laughs> it all makes sense now. 
Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, Peabody says, due to what has happened in other media, the role of the intimacy coach has been extended due to COVID, so they minimize touching. Not sure, but that would make sense. Hmm, okay. So I think Peabody, that's actually a really interesting point. So when we are hearing intimacy, we are immediately jumping to, hey, they're going to try and have intimate, sexually intimate moments in the show, which would be a huge slap in the face of the legacy of Tolkien. But Peabody is making the point of, what if intimacy coach is a wide, broad range job, essentially, occupation, focus, and part of the focus is actually trying to find out ways to have people be close together, but to respect COVID restrictions. That's actually an interesting point. I have not thought of that, Mr. Peabody. And again, I always appreciate Peabody's commentary because he always looks at things from a different perspective. He worked in, uh, I believe he worked directly in a hospital, worked in the medical field uh, for a bit in his life. And so he would know a lot more about uh, these kinds of relationships, I think. That actually doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, Will Gentry adds on. Makes sense. Intimacy isn't just people knocking boots. Yeah, again, great point. But I think that we needed to have that because when we're just told, hey, we've hired an intimacy coach and not given any context as to why, when we hear intimacy, we think, oh, like as Will Gentry says, knocking boots. But hey, that actually makes a lot of sense. Good point, Mr. Peabody. If I could give you digital cookies, I would. All right, Huron the Steadfast, thank you again for another super chat. Says, there is absolutely no reason to have any kind of sexual content in a Lord of the Rings TV show. These people involved have no idea about Tolkien and his world. No, I agree. And my fear, and I've said this in my video, I'm not as afraid of the intimacy stuff. I'm actually less afraid now, especially because of Peabody's comment, because it actually makes a lot more sense that it would be focusing on how to have moments look closer than what they are but still respecting the uh, six-foot distancing, etc. So that actually kind of makes a lot more sense then. So I'm not, I was already not as worried about that as I am about this point. What I'm most concerned about when it comes to the Lord of the Rings series is if I'm afraid it's going to fall prey to the same thing that the movie version of A Wrinkle in Time did. A Wrinkle in Time was a garbage movie done by a garbage director named Ava DuVernay. She's terrible. And what she did was she took a story that's deeply rooted in Christian philosophy. The whole concept of fighting the darkness, literally fighting the darkness, clear Christian overtones there. And in the book, you actually have this, uh, I think it might be a psalm, but one verse from the Bible keeps coming back over and over again in the book. They strip all of this out in the movie. They strip all of the Christian overtones out of the movie. And it clearly tries to add in the fact that you have Oprah in in the movie too. They try and put in this worldly nonsense that does not work, right? If you try and replace a Christian, uh, a Christian focused or a Christian centric story with something that is not and something that is more paganistic in a lot of ways, it's just, it's bound to fail. So my bigger fear when it comes to Lord of the Rings is that they're going to try and strip out the clear Christian and especially Catholic overture, you know, the, the Catholic inspirations that are very clearly established in the Lord of the Rings universe within especially the works of Tolkien as well. To say that you have a story 
by Tolkien, even if it's being adapted without those Christian ideals, is to not have a true representation of the work of Tolkien. That's my bigger fear. I'm more afraid of them de-Christianizing the story than adding intimacy. And especially now with Peabody making this very good point about what intimacy actually is, what are they actually coaching? If it is strictly COVID stuff, then to me, there's even less to worry about when it comes to the sexuality. But again, doesn't mean necessarily that they're off the hook completely. We have to obviously find out more about it. Good point, though. All right, back over to YouTube at 739. Hamilton Burger says, The Goods is a fantastic movie. I did not expect much from it. And let's just say expectations subverted. Yeah, I agree. Now, again, is it the most original comedy ever told? No, but it's a movie that I enjoyed thoroughly at the time. I watched it several times, you know, immediately after it came out. I want to say I saw it in theaters a couple of times at least. And it's a movie I recommended to people too back in the day. And it's a movie that now I've remembered it said, oh, I remember having a good experience with this movie. I kind of want to watch it again now to find out why it is I love the movie so much. Um, And obviously critics hated it. So (laughs) that should that should be a motivation to go see it. If the critics hate it, it must be good. See, Darwin James W.R. Welcome to the chat. Blake St. Clair. Welcome to the chat. Eric K., who's a member, says Agent Carter did not hurt that. Haley Atwell is very talented and very, very easy on the eyes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely understand your second point. But yeah, she's great. She's a great actress. And also her supporting cast in the series was fantastic as well. All that stuff helped it out. All that stuff helped out. Brian Barth says, most overrated film and most underrated film. Underrated film, again, there is no such thing as a most underrated film. There's going to be different films from different eras, from different categories that can be underrated in various ways. So I don't have one for that. And then I would say the same goes for overrated as well. Um, But off the top of my head, Endgame was loved by a lot of people, still loved by some people. And I was very early out of the gate hating that movie because it's terrible. All right, Soul Assassin says, the Bernie memes have been amazing, especially the up spoof. The up spoof? Oh, I haven't seen the up version yet. Um, but yes, the Bernie memes have been hysterical. What's even more funny is the fact that his campaign or his association made a piece of clothing that they sold. So Mr. Socialism himself, Mr. Communist himself, made money off of the meme. That's capitalism, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's even more funny. Uh, Blake St. Clair says, Ralph Bashke is amazing. His work needs a revival. Uh, is that the guy that did the animated version of uh, the, uh, rather of, of the Hobbit? He also did Lord of the Rings too. I never saw the Lord of the Rings animated though. Tina, thank you for letting know how to contact me. Laura says my favorite musical is Pirates of Penzance and the Music Man. He's a what? He's a what? He's a music man. Fun story. So I, I think I maybe have mentioned this on the show before. Maybe I mentioned it at the time I was actually in this musical while I had already started doing YouTube. My I was with this uh, this church group that did shows every year as a way of outreach. And I'd done that for about 20-plus years. My first show there was in 1999, and my last show was in, yeah, 2019. So I'd been there for 20 years doing shows since I was around 10 or 11 years old. And my last show, I was the lead. I was Harold Hill, the music man. And it was one of the most fun experiences of my life um, because it was really it was really cool, like, going away. And I'm actually really sad because they haven't had any musicals since I've been gone because of COVID. 
Uh, so they had to cancel last year's season, and I would say there's probably a, a decent chance they have to cancel this year's season as well, and that makes me very upset because, again, it had a major impact. I did it for 20 years. It had a major impact on my life, met a lot of amazing people there, and had a lot of fun on the way. And I still have the movie version of Pirates of Penzance, and I haven't watched it yet, Laura, because my wife wants to watch it with me, and sometimes we're just not on the same page as far as what we want to watch on a given night, but I still have it, and it's, it's still in my Plex collection. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Lyon says, oh, well done, Odin. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. That 70s rock fan tag says, you're hired. Let's do the show right here. Which one? Oh, man. Well, you got trouble, my friend. Right here. I say trouble right here in River City. Why, sure, I'm a billiard player. Certainly might have probably say it. Certainly might have probably say it. I consider the hours I spend with a cue in my hand are golden. Talk about horse sense with a keen, oh, with a cool head and a keen eye. You ever try and make it, you ever try and give, oh, you ever try and take a give an ironclad ironclad shot with oh my gosh i used to have it i've lost it i used to have it uh in fact you know what my inspiration the the way i practice that song it is a tongue twister it is insane was i actually listened to the rendition done by seth mcfarland seth mcfarland did a rendition of that and that was my inspiration uh let's see elizabeth lyon says rosebud was the sled hail chat spoiler warning See, Robert Estrada, do you use a lot of conditioner on your beard? Not a whole lot. I, I, I do it most days I'll use conditioner. Some days I'll just use shampoo. I wash it every day, but I don't always use conditioner. I'm, try, I'm still trying to find the best combination of shampoo conditioner that's not going to break the bank. I have not yet found that yet. All right, let's see. Rosie G12 says, Lindsay Lohan also did not have the benefit of decent parents. Very sad. That also is a major factor. Hail Elizabeth Lyons. Yes. Yes. Hail to you. I've never been able to do that well. <laughs> I always have to like look at myself and think, like, okay, I'm doing it. Okay, I'm doing it now. <laughs> uh, when, I could, when I finally figured that out when I was younger, I had to do it. I was so happy. All right, Michael Skew with tagging says, I saw the movie Monsters earlier today. A science fiction thriller directed by Gareth Edwards, the guy who directed Rogue One. That's the film that got him really into uh, the position to do a film like Rogue One. Yeah, I've never seen it. I hear, though, that the effects in that film are fantastic. And for a low budget, he did a great job. I would have loved to have seen a Star Wars story done by him without Lucasfilm, without the studio oversight, which really just destroys the creativity of so many different people. All right, Rose EG12 says, yes, Tom Shippey has written books on Tolkien. Nice. That's a true scholar. You're not really a scholar unless you've written a book, I would say. Uh, Thursday the Warrior says, the cock, the cock was from Up. It was the motto of Russell's Wilderness Scouts. Oh, okay, gotcha. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen that film all the way through. Because I've seen the clips that they always post every now and then. People post the, like, two minutes intro of the love story. Um, and the, the, always the commentary is better love story than any other modern day romantic film that exists. And it's so true. It really honestly is so true. Uh, Pat S says you should just bring baby Thor to the movies with you, but don't feed or change him first. Oh, and sit in the front and sit in front of me. If he starts crying, you can just make calls on your phone. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't know when I'll ever be out, be willing to bring him. Because, yeah, I am not going to be the person that lets my baby cry in a movie. Or bring a baby that can't even experience the film to a movie. 
or even to a rated R film for that matter. I've seen people do it and it's annoying. But even when he's old enough, I mean, unless we're in a film where there's a bunch of kids going crazy already, nah, 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 nah. He's going to learn theater etiquette very early on. Andrew Hoyle says, Scott Pilgrim, best Brie movie. I would disagree. It's a solid movie, but I would go with those other two, to be honest. All right, let's see. Do, 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 do. All right, Nathan Slay made another comment about Pulp Fiction, so I'm going to skip it. I'm sorry, dude, but <laughs> we get it. You like Pulp Fiction. We get it, man. Uh, JKWX76 says, Um, in this home, we say, Gorgiela. Gorgiela. <laughs> uh, Rosie G12 says, You can have a love story without graphically showing sex. E.g. Faramir and Eowyn and Baron and Luthien. Yeah, not even just in the Lord of the Rings universe, but, I mean, the best films, in my opinion, that tell love stories do so without all of the extra graphic crap that's not needed. Because at that point, it's not love. It's infatuation. It's obsession. And it oftentimes leads to relationships that are bound to fail. And that's why I appreciate the Lord of the Rings so much. Because it's very clearly set in a very different time, not just in its fictional world, but also by the person who wrote it as well. Where again, to be romantic or to be in love was not about, hey, let's jump in the bed. No. It was more than just that. See, Orange Hat says, Context! They put beards on women extras for the writers of Rohan. Also, the Lord of the Rings, Sauron is is that lord. Remember Gandalf's words, there is only one lord of the ring. Okay, the first part made sense to me. The second part did not make any sense to me. <laughs> Thursday Warrior says, your theory about Brie and directors is valid, but I have an alternate theory. She won an Oscar for Room and now thinks she's a great artiste. She doesn't need to listen to directors. I think that's also a very good argument, Thirsteenth Warrior. I would have to look at the timeline, though, to see if it really does match up. Because there's the other thing, too, is that she was already a spoiled brat before the Oscar. Uh, did you? Does anyone remember? I remember posting this stuff when, it, when we first found out about it. Does anyone remember the fact that she actually tried to be a pop star when she was a teenager? Yeah, her, her parents essentially paid her way to be on... Remember how they used to have, like, those AOL sessions? And it would be like the bands would do, like, uh, live versions of their songs and everything like that? She has one of those. It's on YouTube. Look it up. And, oh, man. It's something. Uh, Rosie G12, they're going to make the Woke of the Ring, and I fear that they will. Hamilton Burger says, Intimacy Coach, cuddle harder! <laughs> More cuddling! No, and, and to, to, to bring back to, to Mr. Peabody's point, it's actually going to more likely be like, <laughs> move away! One more foot! You are within five feet! And if he's like a robot, danger! Danger, Will Robinson! <laughs> move away! In fact, I think it might be more like, uh, oh, what is her name? From Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, man. What is the character's name that's always getting in the way and blocking Maid Marian and uh, and Robin Hood? I love that movie. Talk about another great film. That's another one. Broomhilda. That's it. So I, I kind of want him to be more like Broomhilda. Be like, oh, do, 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 do. <laughs> no ring ring without the wedding ring. <laughs> 
Uh, that's what I want the intimacy. I want the intimacy, co- intimacy coach to have like a German accent, a, f- a really bad fake German accent, and be like, no, 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 no. You must be six feet apart from each other. <laughs> anyway, six books. What? What are you talking about? I'm so very confused by what's going on by this. <laughs> oh man. All right, let's see. Where are we? All right, chat has jumped on me like it always does. Cool. Back over to DLive for a second. Uh, Will Gentry says, Did you hear that the woman who made Bernie's mittens can't afford to make them anymore because the taxes were too high? I did. I think that's freaking hilarious. Yeah, so uh, everyone's been reaching out to this woman because they wanted to find out where Bernie got his gloves because they want their own. And she's like, hey, I would, only... I can't because my business went out of business because of high taxes. Oh, all the while Bernie's making profit from capitalism. Oh, man. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Oh, we got a troll. Will Jenner says, stop lying. Everyone knows a love story isn't a real love story if there's no, <laughs> if there's no breast, I will say. And he says, hashtag free the breast, I'll say. Oh. <sighs> Get that nonsense out of here. <laughs> All right. First off, also, I should have realized who said six books. It was General Wingster, who is our pet troll on the channel. I, now now I feel much better. <laughs> Mark, 6366, glad to see you here. Uh, Rosie12, who's a member, says, The three books, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and The Return of the King. The trilogy is called Lord of the Rings. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what I said. Uh, JK76 says, Odin, pick up the physical copy of The Fellowship of the Ring. It is divided into two smaller books. Each Lord of the Rings novel consists of two smaller books. That's all I'm going to say to that. Uh, JK76 says, George R. Martin threw some shade at Tolkien for not having sex in his books. At least Tolkien isn't a lord ass who refused to finish his work. I do not respect Martin one iota. JKD Buck, that's a great point. Uh, Rose G12 says, that is not what an intimacy coordinator does on movie sets, Odin. This person is to ensure sex scenes go smoothly on set to protect the actors. And again, I, I hear that point. But I do think Peabody might have a... Again, I think more research needs to be done into exactly what kind of intimacy coach is this person. We have 76 people watching on YouTube. Please smash the like button. Uh, we are getting close to the end, though, so I will be moving to members only in just a couple minutes. Uh, let's see. JKD Buck says, At least Jordan had an excuse for not finishing Wheel of Time. Uh, Nathan Slay doo, 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 says, But Odin, you as a white person cannot hate on A Wrinkle in Time, a perfect movie with a black cast that's racist. That's what they would like to say. Rosie G12 says, Intimacy Coordinator has nothing to do with COVID on movie sets. Okay, we've got some, uh, we got, we got some disagreement going on. And again, I think that Peabody was mis- mostly making the point of what if, not this is a fact. So I, I do think that that is something to take into consideration. And again, I think that is still, I think it's worth looking into to see exactly what the role this person is doing. I'm not, I'm not denying what anyone is saying here. I'm just saying I think it should be looked into. Jay Rold, thank you for becoming a member on the channel at the Citizen of Asgard. Or sorry, at the Citizen of Asgard level. Yes, indeed. I just realized that I labeled it as Citizen of Asgardian. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just noticed this. That's a mistake on my part. It should have just said Citizen of Asgard, but instead it says Citizen of Asgardian. It's been that way this whole time, the whole time, and no one's ever told me? Oh, man. Disappointed. <laughs> Disappointed! That's me right now. All right, JKWX76 says, Underrated film equals enemy mine. Overrated equals a Christmas story. No, Christmas story is just fine. Overplayed? Yes. Not overrated. Never seen enemy mine. <laughs> Blake St. Clair says, Yes, Odin, correct. Context would have helped for me. Bashki did some great... Uh, Bakshi did some great animated movies, including Lord of the Rings. His work is forgotten somewhat. I think that the Hobbit version he did was... is. I think it's still remembered by a lot of people. It's got a lot of love. I think there's it's on YouTube in its entirety, and it's got tons of views. At the very least. Pat S. says, Just do Gary Indiana with a lisp. Gary Indiana, Gary Indiana... Oh uh, no! What is that? Something special. It's the oh, the the Wells Fargo wagon. Oh ho! The Wells Fargo wagon is a coming down the street. Oh ha! <laughs> oh man! Nowadays it's like that role is gonna be very short lived. I think. How dare you ask someone without a lisp to have a lisp? That is an offense to all people with lisp. It's like it's, it's a show. They're acting. Get over it. Rosie G12 says, I like a rendition of Goodnight, Sweet Someone. Good night, my someone. Good night, my love. That one? That's a... Uh, I don't... Yeah, he... Harold Hill doesn't sing that song completely. Except in duet. And then at the end, he goes back and forth with uh, Marion. Marion. Madam Librarian. That was a fun song. Father Christopher Miller says, Up love story intro better than the romance between Arwen and Aragorn? Yes. That's going to be controversial for some people. <laughs> yes, Nathan Slade. People bring, people bring babies. They still do it, probably, to rated R movies. Oh, yeah. So bad, we had to create a policy at AMC when I worked there where we had to tell parents that after 6 p.m., you couldn't do it. And it was so funny because there were people, I remember working the box office, there were people that would yell at me because I would deny them entry. I would say, hey, our policy is that after 6 p.m., no child under a certain age is allowed into a rated R theater. And again, it's all about trying to create an experience. We're trying to make it so that people don't just bring their kids in to disrupt during a rated R film because they shouldn't be in there in the first place. And there are parents that would yell at me for doing it. Now, I understand it. They're coming from the, you can't tell me how to raise my kid perspective. I get that. But at the same time, it's like, but think about it. If we have to make a policy, and if you can't see that bringing your child to a radar movie isn't a bad thing, I do question your parenthood then. <laughs> Father says, I'm back, bit the bullet today, and bought the Blues Brothers 4K Steelbook. I have a feeling Odin's never seen it. I have seen Blues Brothers. I love it. Controversial opinion, I actually also love Blues Brothers 2000. And my argument is this. Is the first Blues Brothers a better movie? Yes. Is the soundtrack for Blues Brothers 2000 epic? Hell yes. I, I will stand by Blues Brothers 2000 because that score is fantastic. Not to mention, I mean, come on. Still got a great cast. John Goodman. 
singing a song. I'm waiting for a fox. I'm looking for a fox. Ah, oh, man, so funny. I'm all alone and fancy free. Huh? Such a great score. Andrew Hoyle says, So, Odin, what are your thoughts on Pulp Fiction? <laughs> Damn you. Damn, you're a member, and I have to read that comment. <laughs> All right, we are three minutes away, so it's members only now. Members only. So, again, if you're tagging me, I'm sorry, but I'm reading members only now so that I can end on time. Father says, is up love story better than the love story of John Wick and his dog? Ooh. Um, I see where you're going there, but I'm going to say no. In all seriousness, no. All right. Father then says, how about the love story of Milton and his stapler office space for context? Thank you very much for giving me. Once you said stapler, I knew exactly who you were talking about. It is my stapler. There is no greater love story than Milton with his stapler. Yes, it's my, my stapler. Um, anyway, let's see. Uh, Orange Air Review says, further context. You said that... Uh, Tidal- tilting the Amazon se- titling the Amazon series Lord of the Rings is not a good idea. It still makes sense because Sauron still becomes the Lord of the Ring and subsequent rings later on. No, no, no. Orange Hat, I get that. But we all know the reason why they're doing it is because if they were to name it anything else, no one would understand it. Like, no, like you would have a huge portion of people that would not even know it existed. We all know that the reason why they're calling it the Lord of the Rings still is because they're trying to get that mula, which again, it makes sense from a financial standpoint. I personally wish that it was more accurate to what the story would actually be telling. Broomhilda. Yes, Broomhilda. All right. Let us see. Again, members only comments from this point forward. Again, I do apologize, but that is just the way it has to go sometimes. All right, let's see. Pat S. says, Kirsten Dunn's version of turning Japanese blows any of Bree's pop junk out of the water. Team Kiki all the way. Team uh, Team Kiki all the way. When does she sing that song? I don't think I've seen the movie of her doing that. I have not seen a lot of Kirsten Dunn's films, to be honest. Um, let us see again. Members only. Jay Rold says, Yeetimus Maximus. What's going on, Jay Rold? How's it going, good sir? He says, my, my pleasure, Lord Heimdall. Oh, calling Heimdall, Lord. How dare you? Pat S. says, the thing I can't get past is how can Return of the King have six endings and none of them be the scoring of the Shire? Yeah, that was one thing that I remember my dad had mentioned. Um, because obviously, not only did he read the books and um, the stories to us when we were younger. The Hobbit was the only one that stuck with me more so than The Lord of the Rings did because obviously it was, I was so young when he read those stories and eventually over time we just stopped because at one point we actually switched over to Harry Potter because my little brother got into Harry Potter and so that was the new story that we started to read um, as a family together. And so that was the one thing that was mentioned when I, when I asked my dad because we went to go see – so this is actually cool. We went to go see the movies together in theaters and so one thing I decided to do when The Hobbit movies came out – was that became something new as uh, as an adult that I started to do with my dad. So I, I I brought my dad to all three of the Hobbits and saw the Hobbit with him all three all three films, and even him as as much as he knew about the lore, he was still like, yeah, I don't really agree with the decisions they made and all the things they added in, but it was still really cool to be back in Middle Earth and the Shire and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, my point is, is that he would mention that about how there's this whole section where the sh- the Shire is on fire, right? And um, isn't it Wormtongue? Isn't he the one that like goes to the Shire after he gets kicked out and 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 takes over essentially with that? 
I might be wrong on that point, but I remember my dad talking about that a bit. Uh, JKD Buck says, Erigen and Elwing, the other human and elf hookup, they were Elrond's parents. I did not know that. Again, my knowledge of this is very limited as far as the deeper, richer stuff. I did not realize that Elrond was a half-human? Huh, interesting. I always love learning that kind of stuff. All right, let's see. So again, members only. Rosie12 says, Blues Brothers' favorite line, we're on a mission from God, yes. All right, let's see. Pat S. says, so the lesson here is, if you're going to bring Baby to a rated R movie at AMC Elmwood, bring a big purse too. Yes, Pat S., that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, let's see. And people do that anyway to sneak in food, so. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. What other members have comments? Pat S. says, Blues Brothers 2000, the Snyder Cut is best. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, Rosie D12 says, Odin, have you seen Animal House and Caddyshack? I've never seen Caddyshack. And I have seen Animal House, but I can't remember watching it all the way through i'm pretty sure i have but the memory of it is gone but i've definitely seen most of at least most of animal house i want to say i had to watch it for college it, i had to watch it in college and that's why my memory of it might not be as good but caddyshack i've actually never seen jkd buck says the second age of middle earth was a little over 3400 years so there's a lot of stuff to write there is and that's kind of i think the uh the fear the new number two says 76 trombones led the big parade JKD Buck 76 says Sharky. Um, let's see. Orange chat. I'm oh, sorry. Rosie 12 says Saruman takes over the Shire in revenge. No, I got, I honestly wouldn't know. Orange chat says it was both Wormtongue and Saruman who invaded the Shire. And yes, they called Elrond the half, the half elf Lord. Interesting. That's great. I love that. Thursday warrior says actually Elrond was known as half elven. Interesting. The more you know. Again, my knowledge of it is strictly the movies and the limited knowledge I still have from when my dad read it to me when I was a kid. Again, when I say I was a kid, I was like single digits. <laughs> so, uh, Rosie Twelve says, Odin, you got to see Caddyshack. There's tons of films I have to see. All right, and that's, I believe, all the comments from my members. All right, let me just jump over to DLive and finish up over there. Captain High says, Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings as six books, but the publisher released it as three. Okay, so that's why I know it as three. Thank you for that confirmation. That makes a lot more sense. Will Gentry then says, stop lying. Everyone knows a love story is... Okay, sorry, I already got that one. Blah, patooey, I spit at you, Will Gentry. Uh, anyway... Uh, Thursday Warrior says, I play the trombone, carrying the dang thing on the school bus made me wish I was I had picked the flute. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Night and day. Uh, Jacob Buck 76 in the book, The Shire was nearly destroyed by uh, Sorrow Person and Worm Tongue. Sam Frodo, Pippin, and Mary rise up and save the Shire. Yeah. Eric K., I would never I would have never snuck in tacos into the theater from the taco shop right across from the theater and enjoyed them mightily. Caddyshack is a must-see. Next, you will say Groundhog Day. I have seen Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day is fantastic. Um, did I say Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day. Um, 
Father Father Mother says, I'm watching the Kirsten Dunst turning Japanese and my eyes are bleeding. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Anyway, that's going to be it for me tonight, everyone. Thank you, everybody, for the support. Make sure you drop a like on the way out if you have not done so already on YouTube. You guys are awesome. Shout out to my DLab fam. You're great, too. Um, I'll, I'll be able to do a, a chest opening over on DLive, so y'all stick around as y'all normally do. Um, no, I have not seen Lost in Translation, Rosie G12, but I do know of the film. Um, in future, late to the party, you missed a whole lot. Go back and watch it if you want, or listen to it later on. Uh, but anyway, thank you all very much for your love and support. Don't forget that tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, we will be having our Chosen of Valhalla stream. And I'm sure there will be plenty of comments made about my lack of knowledge of various things. And, of course, that's always a good time. So if you want to join us tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, again, it'll be a fun time, wide variety of topics. But I'm going to try and let my chosen speak for me for the most part because my voice is incredibly tired. Thank you all very much for your love and support. Before I go, though, I do need to shout out my members who have the Army of Asgard level and up. That would be FCC 2014, Rosie G12, Andrew Hoyle, Eric K, Orange Hat Reviews, Adam Avery, The Bosco 2000, Twirly Wolf, Jay Stowe, and Aiden Vickery. You guys are all freaking fantastic. So again, thank you all for being here tonight for the love and support. You guys are great. Tip your Valkyries on the way out like you always should. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to everyone that donated tonight as well. It really always does mean a lot. And it does really help to support the channel. If you are a member on Patreon or Subscribestar, I will be doing a giveaway soon for a 4K title. I know that the giveaways have been kind of lacking this month, but I plan to make those up towards the end of the month. And so be on the lookout for those in the coming days. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. I hope you all have a wonderful evening, a wonderful rest of your weekend. See you all tomorrow, hopefully on the main channel, 2 p.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful day. And as always, God bless.